Hello, welcome to the Grace Life Podcast. The message you're about to hear, if diligently applied, will absolutely change your life. We're praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, thereby allowing the eyes of your understanding to be enlightened. Now let's join the service already in progress with Pastor West. Everybody happy? You blessed? Highly favored. Amen. Well, we're glad that you're here. We're going to have a good time today. God is good. All the time. If you're happy. And you know it. You ought to smile. <laughs> they, they tell us it takes more muscles to frown than it does to smile. Amen. And if anyone on the earth has a reason to be happy, it's Christians. Amen. Well, we're going to get, uh, we're in a series on vision and we're going to get there in just a minute, but we'll call it the appetizer. And I want to go over to uh, second, first Timothy chapter one. We're recording. We are. Well, good morning. And we glad that you're tuning in with us today on Facebook. We appreciate you inviting us into your home. For those who are watching there and those who will watch later. And then um, if you don't know, then you also have a we also have an audio format that you can go to on SoundCloud. Everything that's done here in video can be also heard in, on audio and downloaded into your computer or your phone. I don't know how you do that, but if you ask a six year old, they know how to do that. So anyway, <clears throat> our thing is just to make it available. Uh, so don't get with me after the service and ask me, well, how do you do that? I have no idea whatsoever. Amen. So, <clears throat> you know, the, the world's progressing in a lot of ways. I don't know if all of it's good, but it's, uh, we're living in times. Daniel talked about these times. He says in the very latter days, the last time before Jesus comes back, he says inventions and, and ideas and take, you know, what we would call technology would advance so much in one generation. And just think about, it hasn't been that long, if you think about it, if you go back to a couple of grandmothers, you had horse and buggy. Um, I, I remember my great-grandmother, uh, she lived to be 94, and she passed, I think, in 1975. But she could tell you all about horse and buggies. She was a midwife. And she had 12 children herself. Now, I don't know why she wanted 12 children. Her, her first one was my grandmother. But, uh, but she was. And, uh, <clears throat> but uh, she, uh, she saw so much change just in her life from the time she was born in the 1800s, you know, the end of the 1800s into 1975. My grandmother, uh, her first child, uh, never would believe that man ever went to the moon. She told me they went to Birmingham to Red Mountain. And I said, well, Grandma, that's right there on TV. She said, they're just, she says, there's, if man wanted, if God wanted man to put him on the moon, he'd already be there. That, that is a lie. There is no, nothing that man can make that would put him on the moon. And I said, well, there's some people smoking some things. They're already there. <laughs> <laughs> and taking some pills, they're already there. She didn't even know what I was talking about. But anyway, I'm glad she didn't. But 2 Timothy, I'm just getting you ready to hear the word. Amen. Amen. You know, sometimes you, you have 
a lot going on in the week and you have things that come uh, against you. That ever happened to you? If not, if you know someone. Uh, and uh, sometimes we don't, we're not even prepared to hear what, what, what God has for us. And so 2 Timothy, and let me get there. I'm in 1 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6 is Paul said, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance, that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in you by the putting on of my hands. Now let's slow down a little bit. He said, I'm putting you in remembrance that you are to stir up the gift of God. Now, Paul didn't say he was going to come stir. He said, you'll have to stir up the gift of God, which is in you by the putting on of hands. Now, I've said this. This came to me while I was preaching many years ago, over 20 years ago. I was preaching on a Sunday night and this illustration came to me. I'm sure I'm not the first one thought about it. It's just as simple as it could be. If I could make it any better, I'd make it, I'd make it better or different, but I don't know how to. But everything that you need today in your life, if you're born again, is already in you. You don't need God to do something he hasn't done. You don't need God to intervene. He already intervened. He believes he did when he sent Jesus. He believes that Jesus Christ, his son, is the finished work. So he told us what we need to do is stir up the gift of God. So I was preaching this on a Sunday night. I don't know what I was preaching, but the illustration came to me. This is uh, and uh, of what are the necessary ingredients to make tea, lemonade, or Kool-Aid? Well, if you're going to make Kool-Aid, what is the necessary ingredients? A, a pack of, of, of your choice, and then you need to determine how much what? Sugar, one, two, three cups, whatever you put in, according to how much you're making, right? Well, what's the ingredients to tea? Tea, sugar, water. What's lemons? Either the lemonade package, or the, you know, imitation, or the real lemons, and what? And water. All right, let's just say we're making Kool-Aid. So I pour my little wild berry cherry in there, and I put my, my big cup of sugar in there, and a gallon of water, Now I've got Kool-Aid, don't I? I got all the necessary ingredients to have Kool-Aid or, or if I wanted tea, tea, sugar, and water. But if you just pour a glass, it'll be real bitter. You know why it's bitter? Forgot to stir it up. <laughs> Everything that you need for your life is already in you, already been promised to you, already been given to you in the person of Jesus Christ. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You just, you just now need to stir it up. And so sometimes you, you may not think it's, you say, well, my personality is not like that. Well, God, you know, gave us our personalities and we're all different. We can celebrate that. But uh, you, you've had things that you've been stirred up about just naturally. Something you've been given a big raise or a big surprise. I've seen some people with some very quiet personalities get very loud when something exciting happens. Then you bring them to church and they got a holy hush on them. Like God's nervous. <laughs> God's not nervous. They go to the ball game and scream their guts out and they go to church and they can't lift, they can't lift their hands or say anything. Because he said, well, this is the holy place. Well, God is holy. <laughs> but you'll find heaven will have all that. It'll be quiet. It'll be reverent. It'll also be loud. Amen. Amen. He, said, he said, praise me in the dance. Praise me in the temple, uh, on the harps and on the high cymbals. That sounds like noise to me. Amen. Thank you for all your holy hushes. 
Huh? So sometimes we just have to get ourselves in a place to where we can receive. And what was coming to me this morning, <clears throat> uh, I sold my, my, my motorcycle a few years ago. But I know something about when I went on the motorcycle. I wasn't, and I get on it, I wasn't one with the motorcycle. Um, it's mine. I knew what to do with it. I, I understand, you know, it was a five-speed transmission. It had 1,800 cc's. It's a big bike, almost weighed 900 pounds. And if you wanted to get there in a hurry, you could do it. But it seemed to me like until, it just seemed like until I was on that bike for about 40 miles that I'd become one with that bike. And it just seemed to me, I, I may be wrong, but it didn't seem like the bike really was in a, in a mode to where it was, it, it flowed smoother after the engine was warmer. The gears seemed to shift easier. And I just, I just, uh, it, it just seemed like before it was kind of rigid and I wasn't one with the bike. I, you could, I could work, I'd be working against the bike instead of with the bike. And I, I remember I was on a, uh, headed uh, on, on a back road in a long stretch, and I could see for a long ways because, you know, I, I wasn't an unsafe driver. But for every man, there's a little boy and still wants to know something about power. So I, didn't, I never wanted to know. I asked the guy when I bought it, I said, it says 160. Will it do that? He said, if you need to know, I'm going to ask you not to buy it. I said, well, I don't need to know. I just want to know with it. He says, yeah, it's, it, it could go 160 if you could stay on it. <clears throat> At 123, I decided to stop. I, that's all I needed to know. Because I, I was on 65 below the windshield, but the wind, and there was no wind, but there, I was still going from side to side. And I said, that's, all, that's about all I need to know. But I remember one time I was on that bike, and, and, uh, and I was going with it. And man, I was feeling the wind. Here it was coming. And I was going through those gears. It got warmed up. Man, I, that, that bike was stirred and I was stirred. <clears throat> and they said you, you, it could go 100 in third gear before you went to fourth. Well, that's not generally the way you'd ever ride it. But I thought, well, if it can, it ought to do it every now and then. <laughs> so, so, so I wound that thing up and it hit 100. And, I mean, it was, it was hollering. But it seemed like it was saying, I can do this thing. I can do this thing if you can stay on me. And then, I, then at 100, I, I, you know, I, sh I shift up in the fourth with my heel, and, it, and it, just, it, went, it took off like this. Before I knew it, I was going 120. And then at 123, I said, oh, my gosh, what am I doing? And I stopped. <laughs> <laughs> but there was a stirring. And a lot of times Christians don't come to church stirred. They come dead. Because life's whipped them out all week long, and they come to rest. I don't, I don't know what they come for. But you ought to come stirred. You ought to pray stirred. You ought to live stirred. Amen. You're not amen and like you're stirred. Amen. amen. There's something on the inside of you that's, that, 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 that God put on the inside. Of you. He put himself in you. And there's something about that that wants to give expression. And when you hear the word of God, the spirit on the inside of you craves that word amen. because it's on the inside of you. Amen. amen. And so we're going to talk about vision. But, just, but, but look here. He says, he says, put to you in remembrance and stir up the gift of God, which is in you by the putting on of hands. For God did not give you a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and a what? God didn't. So if, if fear is in our life, we need to know it didn't come from God. The, what we got from God is power. Someone, someone say power. power. Say love. love. And a sound mind. Isn't it good to have a sound mind? The Amplified said a well-balanced mind. It's disciplined and self-control. Then, uh, then we'll go to 1 John chapter 4 for just a moment, and then we'll get to our lesson. We've got to go, so we've we got to get you out of here before 3 o'clock. I know y'all got things to do. 
No amens again. Praise the Lord. <laughs> that was a joke. Just a joke. Don't, don't lose focus. First John chapter four. Thirteen. Hereby know we know that we dwell in him and he in us. Because he has given us his spirit. He's given us his spirit. How many know you're born again? You're you are spirit. Before your soul, before your body, you are spirit. Amen. Amen. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwells in that person. Wow. Y'all read the Bible different than I do? Just think about the, the, how strong that verse is. Whoever has, shall confess or has confessed that Jesus is the Son of God, God is living and dwelling in you right now where you're sitting right there. And He in God. Now watch here, verse 16. And we have known and believed the love that God has to us. God is love. And He that dwelleth in God or dwelleth in love is dwelling in God and God in Him. Herein is your love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. Notice he didn't say in heaven one day. As he is right now, so are you in this earth. Well, how is he? Someone says, well, does that mean when he was on earth or in heaven? You, well, you pick one. How was he on earth? Hmm? Did he have authority? Did he have power? Did he have dominion? Did he do the works of God? Did he destroy the works of the devil? Amen. Well, then as he is, so are you in this world. He said, these works and greater works shall you do. Because I'll go to my father. So he, he was good here. How about in heaven? He's seated in heavenly places. Well, we are too in Ephesians. It says we're seated with him in heavenly places. But notice he says, as he is, so are we in this earth. Now watch here. Verse 18, where we work, this is where we want to get to. There's no fear in love. So if you have fear trying to work in your life in any dimension, you didn't get it from God. Huh? God didn't give you the spirit of fear. Well, I'm just afraid of the days and the times that we're in. We'll stop it. Because God promised you, if you just go over and read this back in Timothy, he tells you in the last days, perilous times shall come. He didn't say you could pray them all away. <clears throat> he says, but be a good cheer. He said that in John 16. He said, in this world, you're going to have tribulation. Be a good cheer. Why? I've already, I went ahead of you. I know what's ahead of you. And I've already overcome what's ahead of you. Amen. Amen. So here, there's no fear in love, but perfect love will cast out fear. Amen. Perfect love. Now, the Amplified says there's no fear in love. Dread does not exist, but full grown, complete and perfect love will turn fear outdoors and will expel every trace of terror. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Need to loosen up. Let y'all get in at least in the second gear. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let's practice it. Say hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. One more time. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Now pick, now, now pick these flappers up. Hallelujah. Come on. everybody. Do, I mean, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory to, Glory to God. I don't want you to drink sour Kool-Aid. 
or T. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So he says, if you have fear, he said, it didn't come from God, but you need to expel it. He says, full grown fear, full grown love is never overcome or overshadowed by fear. He says, fear does not exist and cannot stay in a person's soul, their mind, who understands that God loves them perfectly. God loves you perfectly. You don't, you say, well, you don't know what I did. Well, he does. And he decided on the front end to love you. You see, God knew what he was getting when he got you. Hmm? You say, well, I was following God. You know, I was living for God last year. And then the, the next year, some things happened. I got away from God. And I know now he doesn't love me. Oh, like God didn't know the future. See, I always said this <clears throat> is disappointment is nothing more than failed expectations. Because you thought it was going to work like this and it turned out to be this way. So you're telling me that God didn't know the future and he didn't know what your life was going to look like a year from now. Well, he did know. But he chose on the front end to love us. He, he decided to forgive us. He went to the cross for us, gave his life for us. And he did all this on the front end because God loves his people. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to go talk about vision. I want to say a few things that we have said and, and, uh, and then we'll go further. We've been talking about vision is the master key to success. This is number five, I think it is. But on July the 12th, and then we're just going to read some of the, the main points of this, and we'll get into today's teaching. You know, <clears throat> uh, Proverbs 29 says, where well, there's no vision, the people perish. Where well, there's no vision, the people perish, or there's a lack of restraint. People need vision, and they need to understand purpose. And... Uh, a lot of times we don't have vision is because we don't know who we are. Uh, <clears throat> there was a guy who had a farm and he went out, he went out into the field, went out into the woods. and He found this large egg, didn't know, it was a strange looking egg and he didn't know what it was, but it was just there. So he brought it back and he took it back into the, the hen house and, and he put it under, un, underneath the hen. And lo and behold, a couple weeks later, it hatched. And it was the biggest, he said, it's the biggest chicken he ever saw hatched out of an egg. And so the problem was that it wasn't a chicken, that it was an eagle's egg that he'd come across. And so this eagle had been hashed, but now he's not with his mom. He's with chickens. So he's hanging out. So here we got an eagle hanging out with chickens all day, cluckety cluck cluck and pecking on the ground. And so this chicken as a group learned to live like a chicken. It lived in a coop. It had the limitations of a chicken. It ate like a chicken. It talked like a chicken. However chickens talk. Amen. But it never felt quite the same. He looked at himself and he knew that he was larger than the rest of them. Felt kind of awkward. And, he, and when he would stretch, he'd open his wings and he noticed that his wings was bigger than all of them put together. And he almost was embarrassed. Uh, the eagle was. And the farmer looked at him and said, there's something unusual about that bird. And uh, one day, about a couple of years into its life, they were around in the yard and the farmer had fed them and they were pecking up the, 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 you know, the chicken feed and all of a sudden, an eagle flew through the air. And this little eagle, which had been raised with the chickens, looked up and saw this beautiful, glorious bird soaring through the sky. And all of its majesty 
And it had this, you know, it, an eagle is a lot different than a hawk or, or a geese. You know, geese, they have to work to stay up there. I mean, they're always, but there's not a bird that God created that can go higher than an eagle. And an eagle has greater vision than any bird on the planet. We were sharing this in the beginning of our study that the eagle can see its prey five miles away. So it could be up in the air, hundreds of feet, and can see, well, it's 3,000, I mean, 5,280 feet in a mile, right? So over 15,000 feet, an eagle can, can envision a little field rat and say, there's breakfast. From over 15,000 feet. I mean, I think that's pretty good eyesight. And so he has this tremendous ability and homing device, and, and he'll just swoop down and take his prey. And so here this eagle is beginning to see and just something inside of stirred and said, you can do that. You can do that. You can do that. There's more than you than what you know. There's more to life than what you've experienced. Amen. Amen. No, you're not the same and you're not the same for a reason. You were made different by your creator. And before the eagle knew it with no instructions, just began to run across that field and just out of impulse. Opened his wings and began to flap them. Within a minute or two, found out that it was high in the air with the other eagle. And the eagle said, who are you? And he says, well, they named me Clucky. He says, I've never heard of an eagle named Clucky. He said, I'm not an eagle. I'm a chicken. He said, who told you you was a chicken? Huh? Well, who's been telling us that we're chickens? Huh? No, you're not a, you're, you're not a chicken. You're not a buzzard. You know, I told you, you know, you, buzzards, they're nothing. They wait till everything's dead. You'll never see a, a buzzard attack anything alive because they're cowards. They wait till everything's dead before they go attack and get its prey. So God created you for good. God created you for greatness. If God's in you, great's in you. You may not think much about you, but could you at least think about the greatness of God in you? So I want to help you tap into today what's already on the inside of you. Amen. Amen. God, needs what, God needs what's in you, what he put in you to come out. Amen. He needs what's already on the inside to be realized. And, and he needs it to be manifested in your life and to the earth. So the Bible says, well, there's no vision. That's where people perish. Well, we also know Hosea 4, 6 says that people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Let's get the knowledge. Now, we're going to say some things here we said before, like I said. We said natural sight that we, you know, with our, with our eyes, natural sight is the function of the eyes, but vision is the function of the heart. What's more important? Well, both are vitally important. But how many know that one of the greatest gifts that God gave mankind is not physical vision, but the vision of the heart? We talked about Helen Keller. You know, she was way before her time. At 18 months of old, she, de she developed a fever and she became blind and deaf and she was a mute. But she didn't let that stop her life. She didn't grow bitter or mad. She wasn't angry against anyone or God. And she began to believe that there was just other ways that she could do. And she could put to work her God-given ability. And today her books are still read and her poetry is still read. And I asked Helen Keller, they said, is there anything worse than being blind? 
And she thought about it for a minute. She says, I, supp I suppose it is. She said, I can remember seeing a little bit. It seemed like, you know, I was only 18 months old, but I have some unusual memories of seeing. So she said, I know what it's like to see in colors. But the question you asked me, is there anything worse than being blind? And she said, I think the answer that I would give you is, is to have sight, but have no vision. See, this woman believed that the vision in your heart that God gives us is greater than the physical sight that you have. Amen. Many people live and die with the ability to see, but they live lives and they never fulfill their God-given destiny or their dreams because they never see from the inside. God created you to see. We know the verse very well out of Jeremiah. These is people that was in exile. These are people that were captured and, and uh, for many years under captivity. And God spoke to the people and he said, I have a plan for you. My plan is to give you a hope in the future. To give you a, an expected end. And God wanted them to begin to expect. You know, that's key to our life. Expectation is one of the major keys to to a move of God in your life. When you're not expecting much, nothing much is going to happen. The Bible says hope deferred makes your heart grow sick. So when you're living by physical sight and you're not living by faith, then you're going to live based on what you see in the physical realm. And when you live by what you see in the physical realm, you're going to be greatly limited. That's why the Bible says faith is so important that we, he said, the just shall live by faith. Second Corinthians 5, 7 says, we shall walk by faith and not by our sight. Because we have the ability to see and our senses tell us all kinds of things. When you were born again, when you were saved, God put his spirit in you. You became a new creation in Christ Jesus. So you now have the ability when you renew your mind to the Word of God, that you can see what God sees. Think like God thinks and know things that God knows. Someone says, we can never know what God knows. Well, I would like to take you on a tour through your Bible then and help you to find out. Someone says, yeah, but Isaiah said his ways are higher than our ways. That's true. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Well, you're not in Isaiah's time. You're in a new covenant. And 2 Corinthians says, the, the natural man receiveth not the things of God, but the spiritual man does. Amen. He says that we, in 2 Corinthians, he says that we have the mind of Christ and he gives us his spirit that we might know all things. Amen. That we might know all things. Amen. Jesus said when the Holy Ghost comes, he'll tell you of things to come. That would be the future, I suppose. Now, I want to say this. This is not uh, for fear. This is, this is the time that we're in. These are, I believe, the very last of days. You say, I've been hearing that all my life. Well, then you're closer than you were, huh? I was telling that to someone, and they were about 85 years old. And at the time, and I remember I, 
asked him, I said, how many believe that you're in the last days? And one woman said, one woman said I know I am, whether y'all are or not. <laughs> and I, I didn't catch on for a little while. She says, she said, baby, I'm in the last days. <laughs> she, says, so, she says, so give me your best sermon. <laughs> I said, oh, okay, I, I got you. Well, we're in the last days. Now, I, I, I hope I'm wrong, but I believe, in, I believe that this year is going to be a very interesting year. Uh, many things are going to happen this year. And God is preparing us for what's going to happen. But preparation is going to be necessary and preparation is going to be a key. In the next 12 weeks before the election, many things are going to transpire in this nation like you've never seen ever transpire in your lifetime. And after the election, things are going to happen that you never thought was possible to happen in the United States of America. And I'm not talking about politics. I'm talking about the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. And an ongoing war for the world and for this nation. God has used America, <clears throat> not because America is perfect, because it's not. But I don't see anyone trying to climb our borders to get out. Do you? So there's opportunity here. If you were born here, you never knew there wasn't in other places. You just thought it was, you just think it's this way everywhere. Well, maybe you know it's not, but you don't really know it. Because you just come to expect life to be this way. But for those who was born in, in other areas, where they didn't have the opportunity, that where they were oppressed people, oppressed, who didn't have the freedoms that you have in this nation, who would leave home and family and loved ones to come be here and um, take jobs that others don't want, live in ways that others are not willing to live. God has a purpose for this nation. Amen. And Satan doesn't know all things, but he knows a lot of things. And he knows that this nation has not lived its finest hour. But our enemy is no longer just the enemy who will come with tanks and nuclear weapons and bullets. Our enemy is within our borders now. Yeah. And there are mindsets. And there's things that the kingdom of darkness has put in place. And he's ready to pull the trigger on them. Mostly the church is sleeping. Yeah. This won't be the only pandemic that you'll see. This won't be the last round of it. It's not about a disease. It's not about a virus. It's about an agenda. Yes. It doesn't do much good just to post on Facebook everything you can find about it. That won't really help the cause. Might help someone wake up to some things, but generally it's just Christians posting to Christians. What we need to use is our God-given authority and dominion and prayer because God has given us dominion and authority in this earth to take authority and subdue it. And I think we only have weeks to get it done. I'm telling you why it's quiet. 
because it's not about to be quiet. Are you listening? And uh, <clears throat> so whether you voted for the president or you did not vote for the president, you are instructed to pray for the president. You say, well, I could tell you some things about him. I don't, I don't want to hear anything you got to say about him or the last president or the last president or the last president. I believe there's evil there. Well, probably is. But let me tell you this. Do you think when Paul was walking the earth, do you, do you know who was running Rome? Do you know when Jesus was on the earth, do you, you think there was any problems with, with, with leadership? Yes. Look what all he got done. And so we do at least have a president. Although there's a lot of things that you can't agree with. Things that you almost cringe when he says them. That has fought for the church. I don't know if you realize that or not. I realized it more as a pastor. I know things that were coming very close a couple of years ago in the Supreme Court. When we woke up one morning and the Supreme Court had decided eight people or nine people had decided that marriage was no longer an institution between a man and a woman. And it was law. And I was told that I, I would, if I wanted to have a church, I would have to marry anyone who asked me to marry him, man with man and woman with woman. And I said, when you know what freezes over. Because I, I wouldn't have to have a church. I'll just meet y'all Cracker Barrel or in the back or something. <laughs> and so, um, so if you don't think elections matter, then you're grossly mistaken. You may not like politics, but you need to understand that God gave us a responsibility to go along with, you know, the blessings that he gave us. So don't just go to sleep on it. You see, one of our presidents said that evil always prevails when good people do nothing, they do nothing. And Christians have been taught, probably taught, and pastors have been, because under, under uh, certain guidelines that they're not supposed to speak from their pulpit certain things. And I'm not here to tell you who to vote for. I'm just, I'm just telling you it's time to pray. It's time to pray. Because there is an agenda that I believe that we can cut off and get ahead of it. And, and the, Jesus said, I'm going to give you the keys to heaven, which is the authority. You'll have the ability to bind and the ability to loose. He says, and, and heaven will back that up. He says, but you'll have to do it. Whatever you bind in, on earth first shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So the authority is with us. So what are we going to do? Don't wait till November the 3rd to see what's going on. Don't wait till you see cities burning. Don't wait till you see shortages of food. Don't wait till you see schools that are burning down. Don't wait till you see people in the streets who's coming after guns. Don't wait until all these things happen. Now, be afraid? No. Be prepared? Yes. Natural things to do? Yes. Get a can of beans or two or whatever. Store some things up. Have a few things. I believe it'll be a short moment. But if the church sleeps through this one, this nation's in a mess. Are you listening to me? Now, you can do what you want to with that. There's, 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 there's no fear in that. There's no fear in that. You know, 
God used Joseph to interpret a dream. And, he, and that dream came down to this. He said there's going to be seven good years or seven bad years. So he gave him a plan. He told him to store up for seven good years so he, he would be ready for the seven bad years. What happened? Exactly what Joseph interpreted the dream. And so <clears throat> we're in those end times and we need to understand we're not, uh, it's not about the people. It's not about who's running. And I'm not here to name names. You know he's running for the president. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world. So our, our, our fight is not with people. It's, it's, the, it's the spirits behind that that are trying to run the show. Now, you have to understand that you're the most powerful thing on this planet because you have God in you. If you go back a few weeks to when we were teaching the end times, you know, you know what keeps the Antichrist from, from appearing on the planet right now? He can't come. The Antichrist cannot come. Now, uh, I, I believe he's already alive on the planet. Don't know what age person he is. We know it's a person. Knows a, he's a man. But he can't engage. He can't start, which will be the start of this thing. It's not up to him. He's, he's not in charge of this. As long as you're on the planet, you're the light of this world because Christ is in you. As long as the Christians are on this planet, he cannot come. He has no authority to come. You are what's holding. You are what's holding the Antichrist back. Now, there is a time that God will look to his son and say, go get my children. When we're gone, he'll come on the scene. But you're the one who's keeping him back. You're holding him back. Now, said that to say this, if you're holding the Antichrist back from coming, what can you do when evil is trying to prevail on the earth? Once again, if good people do nothing, darkness prevails. I was, having, I was trying to watch a show yesterday, and, and there was nothing wrong with the show. It was just trying to go through the commercials. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm 58 years old. You thought I was 30, but I'm not. But uh, <laughs> in commercials today, from when I was a kid, almost like an R-rated movie. To where they have desensitized us, even as Christians. And we just kind of, uh-huh, uh-huh. See, the enemy doesn't, he's not concerned about working his plan fast. He's just going to work his plan. That we just lose ground little by little by little by little by little by little by little. And so we got a we got a we got a course to run and we gotta stay focused. And so the vision has to be primary and we have to stay single minded. So sight's the function of the eyes and vision is the function of the heart. We said this vision is seeing the future before it comes into being. Vision gives you the ability to see farther than your eyes can look, your natural eyes can look. And uh, <clears throat> so why do you need a vision? Well, when God speaks to you about your life, he doesn't talk to you about where you are so much. He talks to you about where you're going. I gave you an illustration one time. A lot of times we have pictures of, our, of uh, maybe in our home or we got them put away somewhere in an album. We can pull them out and see 
things that we've done is, is, is our, with families and our children or maybe vacations that we went on. And we go back and stir up memories. So we, we, have a, we have a picture, a mental picture, a vision of where we've been. Why don't we have a photo album of where we're going? Why don't we have a vision board of saying, this is the plan? When God said, write the vision. So he that reads it can run with it. Harvard did a study a number of years ago and found out that 3% of their graduates had actually written their goals down before coming to school. They checked on those same students 10 years after graduation out of, out of the whole class, and the only 3% that really succeeded in what they had came to do were the same ones who actually had written down their goals and their dreams and kept it in front of them. Sounds like Job 22, 28, which says, you shall decide and decree a thing. When you decree it, you write it down. When you decide and you decree, God said, then it'll be established and the light of God's favor will shine upon it. So there has to be a decision. When you don't make a decision, you just made one. Not deciding is still deciding. You can't say, well, my decision is, uh, maybe and I'm sticking with it. Well, that's not a decision. Decision is the place of power. And so it's time to make decisions. So we need a vision. And uh, God's going to talk to you about where you're going. God talked to Jeremiah when he was young. Told him he was a prophet. Jeremiah couldn't believe it. He said, I can't speak. God said, I made your mouth. God, he said, but I stutter. God said, I hadn't touched your mouth yet. So shut up. <laughs> Amen. God called Abraham. His father was an idol maker. Called him away from his house at 75 years old and told him to go to a land that he would inherit and didn't tell him where to go. He just told him to leave home. So what did he do? He got to moving in a direction. Let God steer him. God used Joseph. God used Gideon. An angel appeared to Gideon and, and told them when, when, when they were under attack by, by armies much greater than them, the angel came to Gideon. He, says, he said, Hail thou, great man of God, mighty man of valor. And Gideon looked behind his back to see who the angel was talking to. Gideon was shaking in his boots, but God had, his, God had a target on Gideon. And God has a target on you. God decided that you would be born into this, into this time. You could have been born 100 years ago, 500 years ago, or 300 years ago, but you're born for such a time as this, like Queen Esther. And God needs the time such as this to come out of you today. So what we're doing is awakening you. I hope to awaken you to your God-given cause and your potential. Don't just use life to, to live your life. I've said it this way many times. I think most people just live, they use all their life just to live their life. If you were to go into a crowd, I've done this many times, but if you go into a crowd of 100 people, and you were to ask them, if you were to ask 100 people, uh, how many know that you're doing exactly what you're called to do? You're, or if you're not even sure that what you do every day is your God-given call for your life, you're not even sure what it is. Do you know over 80% out of every crowd will raise their hand and say, I really don't even know really the reason I'm here? Well, that's sad. Well, you think about it this way. Let's just say if every job on the earth paid $10 an hour, or let's just say every job on the, war, on the, on the earth paid uh, $500 an hour. Which one y'all go 500? Yeah. Okay. So if every job 
on the planet pay $500 an hour, what would you be? Different way of thinking about it, isn't it? So you can just walk into a new future tomorrow. But if every job paid $10, there would be no need to. What would you be? So then we'd actually say, you know, because a lot of times we just say, well, you know, if I, if I just had the money, I'd do this. Well, money, money allows your reason to do anything. We need money. God knows we need money. We need money to, you know, to live and to, uh, to do life, but it's not to be our focus. Certainly not to be our focus. Money makes a lousy God. There's been a lot of very rich and wealthy people, not all of them, but many, many rich and wealthy people, famous people committed suicide and thought they could find happiness and money, and they can't. Now, if you're, if you're determined to be um, depressed, you might as well be rich because you might just be better to be depressed on a better side of town than a poor side of town. <laughs> but, you know, it's like the guy said, he said, well, money ain't everything. Well, it ain't, but it's up there with oxygen. Just try, to, try living without it. But the, key, the Bible says the gift of God will make room for you. The, the gift of God will make room for you. So let's not work for money. Let's work for the gift. And uh, so we need, this is why we need vision. And then we talked about, uh, you know, vision is not just for emergencies and problems. We talked about vision determines your destiny and how, and how we see ourselves. So we spent some time talking about how really we see ourselves. Because you could, just, you could go down through all the, well, we need to write a vision and we just need to make some decisions and write it down and put it on our refrigerator. You could go through all the mechanics of teaching on vision and nothing ever really happened. Whenever we have a poor image of ourselves, it doesn't matter what your vision is, nothing's going nothing's to manifest. So we need to see ourselves the way that God sees us. And so our future lies within us. It's, uh, your future is not um, behind you, but your future is ahead of you. Just like you can't drive your car looking in the rearview mirror, you can't, you can't live life living in the past, can you? Now, let's go, let's go uh, a little bit further today if we can. We've got, we got a few minutes this morning. And uh, we talked about image last week as being part of the vision. Uh, image is not the same thing as vision, but they coincide together. And so <clears throat> our, this is vision is the master key to success part five. I was sitting down actually... Uh, Friday morning, and I had this, uh, I don't usually use this to, as a notepad, but I just happened to have it in my hand. And um, all of a sudden, I just began to hear something, so I began to write. Sometimes that happens to me, and um, I don't know if I'm just writing for me or if it's something I'm supposed to minister, and so apparently this is the way it's gonna, it worked out today. So I just, uh, this is not something I studied out, this is just as I heard it, I wrote it down, and I'll, I'll just read to you what I wrote down. The image you see is the person you'll be. If you're limited in how you view yourself, you're never going to reach your God-given destiny nor potential. Everything that brings pressure from the outside will try to change your belief and perspective from the inside. Everything in life that's bringing pressure into your life is purpose is to change your view and your perspective on the inside. Now you understand all that the enemy, all that Satan has to work with is the outside. He is a falling being. But let me tell you something. He's had thousands of years of practice with humans. So if you think he's ignorant, you don't know him. 
He's a master at what he does. Michelle said a while ago, without the Spirit of God, you won't last an hour with him. Hmm? You said, I thought he got stripped of all his power. He has. So where does he get his power from you? He steals your keys and runs your engine. So everything that brings pressure from the outside, the external realm, he brings it to your life from the outside because he's trying to change your life on the inside by giving you a different perspective. And we could talk about that forever. But know this. When a problem comes into your life, major or minor, let's say major, know this, that no problem will ever leave you the way that it found you. You'll be changed one way or another. He's, 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 he brings these things to your life to mark you. He brings things and people into your life and chaos into your life that he, he sits back to see how you react to it. He sees if, it, if you lose your cool, if you're, if you're stressed out, if you're, if you're anxious, if you're worried. He, he needs you to give him cues. And we're really good at giving him cues, and even Christians are. Because the Bible says life and death comes from you comes out of your life through your tongue. So when you speak words, you give him all the information that he needs. The Bible said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. And death and life is in the power of your tongue. You release life or you release death. God, in Genesis chapter 1, we'll get to it in just a moment. It's been called the, the, the dominion mandate where God gave us and made us in his image and his likeness and gave us dominion. God created this planet through his imagination and through the power of his creative spoken words, and then put that same ability into you and said, you'll have to rule this planet with your faith and with your words. So then he brings the externals to you to see how you're going to react to them. Amen. So if you keep feeling like you're in the same place, it is because you're taking the same test over and over and over again. And you're not ever going to get out of that grade until you pass the test. Amen. So, someone said, well, I'd be glad. I did this years ago. I was pastoring. I was in my second, third year of pastoring. I'm in number 26 right now. I remember, <laughs> I remember telling the Lord, I said, I don't even remember what the problem is. I said, I'll be so glad. I mean, I was talking to him, but I really wasn't talking to him. I mean, I was in the building by myself. I don't even know what the problem was. I said, I will be so glad when this problem's over. And I wasn't expecting to hear anything. It wasn't audibly, but I, on the inside, he said, why? And I like, oh, man, I looked around. I knew it was by myself. I said, why, why, why? He said, why would you be glad this problem's over? I said, I am so tired of dealing with this problem. I'd be so glad when this problem's over. He says, why? He said, another one just come take his place. <laughs> and then he gave me some scriptures. They're all four references that said the just live by faith. So in other words, why don't you just live by faith? Because you're, you're always going to have this in this life. And I said, anybody else I can talk to up there? <laughs> huh? Well, we don't want to have to fight every day, but we need to understand that there is a fight. Amen. And it's a good fight. Paul said, fight the good fight of faith. Why is it good? Because you win. Amen. I said, you win. Amen. I'm just telling you, don't quit. 
you ain't seen your biggest day and you ain't seen your best. You ain't seen God's biggest, his biggest gift to you and you ain't, you ain't seen his last. Amen. Amen. But you got to stay here to get it. You got to stay in the hunt. Amen. I preached this years ago and it's, it, it's kind of like, you know, if it's, we're in Alabama so I can do this. This analogy, if you're up north or another country, it may not make sense to you, but people here, sometimes when they hunt uh, deer or other animals, they use dogs. Man, they get the dog on the scent. Anyone ever hunted with dogs or know someone who has? And you get to hunting with a dog, what, what you want to do? You want to pick up the trail, right? Of the deer, of the, of the, of the raccoon, or whatever it is. You want to pick up on the, on the scent. And that man, a good old hound dog, he'd just get to, woo, woo, woo. You know, he, he'd get to howling. And that bloodhound, he's on the trail, right? And man, he, <clears throat> I don't care if he has to go through creeks. He has to, you know, he has to go through a briar patch. He, he, gets, he gets on that trail, he smells that scent, and you just run behind the dog where you go. And, you know, and, here, and here's that bloodhound, he's after it. But you know something I've never seen? I've never seen a good dog that, that, could, that could hunt uh, and get on the trail of a, of a deer or any other kind of animal that ever stopped and started scratching his fleas. <laughs> Now, have you ever seen a hound dog scratch his fleas? I have. You ever seen, you ever seen a, a dog scratch his fleas? But I never saw a dog do that that was in the middle of a hunt. Because a dog in a hunt don't know he has fleas. Now, I'm telling you Christians, quit, quit scratching your fleas and get back in the hunt. <laughs> a dog in the hunt don't know he has fleas. And we got a lot of Christians coming to church. <laughs> Going up to other Christians. I won't go too far. <laughs> <laughs> you got dogs. You know what they do. It's like, y'all getting something out of that? You know, <clears throat> Smell like Glade air freshener or something? No. But that's what happens is, 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 we, is we, we start off with all this vision and this hope and this future. And man, something just hits us like 100 miles an hour. Has that, that ever happened to you? It has to me. Like, man, I'm going to go do this. And I'm going to do this. And I'm excited about this. And I've got there. And, then, and just like, bam, I hit a wall. And it knocks me down and knocks the breath out of me. And uh, I thought, wow. It makes you want to get up and go the other way. And that's why it came. Satan is in, in charge of the externals. But the greater one, I said the greater one, not the lesser one, not the one who's almost equal to or equal to, but the greater one lives in you. No one in the old covenant could say that. No one had the Holy Ghost living on the inside of them. Elijah didn't. He'd come upon them. Elisha didn't come upon him. Moses didn't, came upon him. But the one who parted the Red Sea is living on the inside of your belly. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. The one who did the miracles that caused the blind to see, the lame to walk, the deaf to hear, the mute to speak is living on the inside of your spirit. And he's greater. And Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he did yesterday, he's able to do today. What he did for people many years ago, he wants to do today, except now he needs to do it through you. And there's nothing Satan can do to stop him unless he can, 
He can change your thoughts and change your perspectives. So he knows he has to work through your soul. He has to work through your mind. It, the, your soul, your mind is his battlefield. So if you want to know where he's attacking, he's attacking your mind. Your mind is the battlefield. But he's not there just to have battle. He's there to take the mind as possession. He, needs, he wants to own your mind. But God wants to have your mind. He wants to have it under his control. That's why he told you in Romans 2 to, to renew your mind according to the word of God. That you might be able to prove that which is good and the perfect, perfect and acceptable will of God. Notice without the renewing of the mind, you can't even prove it out. How are we doing? So the image you see is the person you're going to be. Whatever you continue to say about yourself and your life will become a self-fulfilling prophecy. I'm just reading you what was given to me. Amen. Satan can't make you sin. He can't make you fail. He can't determine your success or your call on your life. He does not have that ability. What he does is invade your thought life using all the senses of the flesh and the carnal mind to persuade you that this is how it is. <laughs> Baby, this is just how it is. Get used to it. You've had something for a while. I've been praying. Nothing's changed. And the feeling comes. It's just ain't going to be no different. It's getting worse. I guess I'm the only one who you knows. When, you know, you, y'all here? Amen. Hello? Amen. He said, this is just how it is and who you are and how it's going to be. This is how it's going to be from here on out, Bob. I don't know. I've been using Bob here for a while. I ain't got a Bob. <clears throat> so I said this many times in this building. Whoever is controlling your emotions... Right now. Who or whatever is controlling your emotions is who or what's controlling your life. Hmm. But you are who God says you are. And you are. You are who God says that you are. And that's the truth. <clears throat> Rome, uh, Romans 12, 2. We just quoted it. About, about the importance of renewing the mind. It says you can never go. This was in my notes. You can never go to the unrenewed mind for answers or ask your body the true state of your health. Just have a, have a conversation with your body. Say, how, how are things and how is it going to be? Check with your finances and, and say, yeah. Uh, how are finances and how are they going to be in the future? Everything. Someone say with me. Everything. everything. Say it just a little bit better. Everything. everything. Everything that you need to know about your life and your future can be found in the book of life. You want to know about your life? Get it from the book of life. This is called the book of life, the bread of life. And we need to open up the bread of life. <clears throat> Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth... Show up. That's, that's almost true. But it's actually wrong. You shall know the truth. Now the truth don't set you free. You shall know the truth and the truth that you know will set you free. <laughs> I, I read a I read a story 
the other day, or I didn't read it, someone was telling about a story that a woman <clears throat> told Lester Summerall, who's in heaven now, and he was a, a, a pastor for years and missionary around the world, and he was in a country, and uh, she was, he was having a service, and there was a lot of, there was demons that were manifesting, and Lester was casting out this demon and that demon, setting people free, and this woman was a little afraid. And so she went and bought a Bible. The next morning, and she came back to meet that night, and she told Les Simmerall, she said, I've been in all the services, and I've been seeing what God's been doing and helping people, setting people free from the devil and from demons. And she said, I want you to know that, that everything's going to be okay at my home. He said, well, that's fine, but why say that? Because she said, she said, I went to the store today and bought me a Bible. She said, and I put it in my mailbox. So when the devil comes down the road, he can't stop at my house. <laughs> well, I tell you what, you can stack them in the mailbox and all up the yard and put them all over your bed, whatever you want to. But until you get the Bible, what God said on the inside of you, it won't matter where you store it. Amen. It's got to be here. You've got to store the word in you. So when the test comes, huh, you can, you can pull it out. You, I, I'm telling you, are y'all here? Y'all with me? I mean, you know, Jesus got tested for 40 days and 40 nights. And, he t and that shows you exactly how you deal with Satan. He tempted Jesus, the Son of God. He tempted him. And, and, and we see every time how Jesus dealt with the enemy. All he did was tell him what's written. Amen. It is written. It is written. It is written. Amen. Why do you need to write a vision? Because everything comes against your life. And begins to speak and say it never be. If you have it written down, you can say, oh, wait a minute, Bubba. Let me tell you, it is written. This is why I'm here. This is why God made me. This is why He created me. This is what I'm going to be. This is what I'm going to do. This is how God's going to use me because I have written the vision and it shall speak at the appointed time. Amen. The Bible says that when the devil tempted Jesus after the third time, after 40 days and 40 nights of being hungry and tired, the angels come and minister to him. And the Bible says the devil left him for a season, just a season. He was looking for a better time because this ain't going to work. <laughs> The reason why he still might be hanging around, he, he thinks he might be gaining ground. Huh? But you've got to begin to speak it. You've got to begin to declare it. You can't just put Facebook posts on what's going on in the evil going on in the world. You've got to do something about it. If you, didn't, if you didn't deal with it in the spirit and all you did is post it on Facebook, you've done nothing. God needs you to use your authority. Amen. God is preparing you for something that is big. You say, but you don't know the big things that are working against me. You don't know people who have who tried to uh, who have said things and done things and ma manipulated me and hurt me and my family. You don't know the plans that the enemy has worked against my family. Or is working against my family. Well, let, let me give you a couple of verses. In Proverbs 21, 30 in the NIV, it says, There's no wisdom, there's no insight, and there's no plan that can succeed against the Lord. Can I say it again? Proverbs 21, 30 in the NIV, there's no wisdom. Man has no wisdom. The enemy has no wisdom. There's no insight, and there's no plan that will succeed against the Lord. You say, what about me? Well, you're in him, aren't you? I said, you're in him, aren't you? Amen. And he in you? Yes. 
He that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. Amen. Amen. He's the vine. You're the branch. John 15. So there's no plan. There's no wisdom. There's no insight. There's no strategy by man or spirit that can prevail against the Lord. Does he have plans? Oh, yeah, they have plans. Because the next verse says in 31, he said, even the horse is prepared for the day of battle. But the victory belongs to the Lord. The enemy's going to have some plans this year. You're going to see him in a few weeks. But I'm going to tell you this, and I'm prophesying this right now. On today, what's it? August the what? 16th, 2020. No matter what the plans of the enemy is for this nation, against this administration, against God's people. I'm telling you, there's no wisdom, there's no insight, and there's no plan that will succeed against the Lord or his people. I don't care if the horse might be prepared for the day of the battle, but I'm telling you, the victory belongs to the Lord. Would you say amen? Could you all agree with that? We have the victory in the name of Jesus. We decree in the name of Jesus every stronghold, every plan, every strategy that the enemy has, that hell has against this nation and its people, I say will come to naught in the name of Jesus. Amen. We take authority before it ever takes the surface in the name of Jesus. Amen. And we say, we speak confusion upon those who are running this thing. Can, uh, I speak confusion in their camp in the name of Jesus. And I say this thing will turn around and it will explode upon them in the name of Jesus. I say evil will be exposed everywhere it needs to be exposed in the name of Jesus. And, and, the, and, the, and the church will wake up. Wakey, wakey church. And, you're, and the church is rising up to who they are and to the finest hour. And they're going to be voters and they're going to be speakers and they're going to be prayers and they're going to be declares. And we're going to say, that's enough. That's enough. I said, that's enough. I want to tell you something. You may feel like you can't go any further sometimes. You ever been there? Moses felt that way. Moses was out of Egypt. But he didn't know what to do with him. And he got him down to the Red Sea and he stopped. The reason why I stopped, because he didn't have a boat. But here come Pharaoh. Pharaoh doesn't change his mind again. And Pharaoh's behind him. And Pharaoh wasn't coming to bring him his, you know, a, a brown bag to, for supper that night. He come to slaughter all of them. And Moses got upset. So would you. They're trapped at the Red Sea. There's mountains on both sides. Pharaoh and his army's behind them. I don't know what verse it is, but I know it's Psalm 77 and one of the translations says that God had already been to the Red Sea. And he marked a path where they would go across and where no man could see it. God has already been to your Red Sea. God's already been to you the hardest place that you've ever been. God has already visited the day that you're now seeing. God has came into this place many, many, many years ago before this nation never existed and he knew this day would come. And he already marked the path. Amen. I've said it this way before. It's kind of a carpentry idea. God already went there and he popped, he popped the chalk line <laughs> at the Red Sea and says, no one knows it, but they're going to come through right here. Amen. Moses didn't know it. Moses couldn't see it. All he was doing was doing what he knew to do. And he went as far as man can go. 
You know, man can't go too far. On his own, man can't do much. We can do a few things. Oh, we can, we can rise up every now and go a few ha-has and rah-rahs and roros. But after that, I'm telling you, we get to, we, we get to the end of ourselves, And that's a good place to be is the end of you. If you have anything in your life that you can't handle, that no man can fix, you're in a good place. Because now you can get your mind, all your ideas off men, and now you can know where all your help is going to come from because all your help comes from the Lord. So if you're trapped by the Red Sea, don't, don't, don't wail, don't cry. I mean, Mo Moses began to cry. Now, I get it, don't you? I get it. If, I, I, I said it this way for years. If most people, and you have two to three million people standing at the Red Sea and Pharaoh's come to slaughter them, most Christians would have, when they saw all that, most Christians would have filled up their huggies. And Moses began to cry out to God. And God asked Moses at the Red Sea, he says, why did you cry to me? I'm thinking, oh, uh, because of them? <laughs> I mean, have you seen them? And God said, Moses, what's in your hand? He said, oh, the rod you gave me. He said, what does the rod do? Oh, Can you imagine the audacity of God to tell Moses? He didn't say, I'll split the Red Sea, although he did. He told Moses to do it. See, a lot of times we're waiting for God to do something and he's telling you to go do it. Because he's already with you. Amen. Now, I'm not saying that Moses parted. God parted, but it was through Moses and with Moses. He said, you'll have to give the command. You'll have to go out there and step in it. You'll have to put the rod down. And when you do, see, you're going to have to make the decision. You're going to have to tell the enemy, you're coming, you, you, you're not getting my family. You're not going, you're, you're, you're not stealing my marriage. You're not taking what we have. You're going to have to put some no trespassing signs out in the spirit realm and say, this is it. You got to draw the line in the sand and say, this is you, you, as far as you come and no further. Amen. See, we are supposed to be on offense. We are supposed to be an invading army. Invading. We're the ones that take ground. We're the ones that's going forward. We're the ones that prevail. When Joshua, after, after 40 years in the wilderness with the children of Israel because the, the first generation sinned, he had to wait 40 years for a whole generation of people to die. And I love what Joshua said. He's 80 years old now. And God says, time to go. And Joshua, an 80-year-old man, he says, God, I'm excited. He says, he says, give me a mountain. Give me a mountain that I can climb. I'm still at 80. I'm just as well could do it at 80 that I could at 40. Amen. Hmm? Amen. But we make jokes about when people turn 40. Oh, 40, 40, Larry's, Joe Bob's about over. You know, they're about dead. I know making jokes. But at 80 years old, at 80 years old, he says, give me a mountain, God. Give me this mountain. He said, I'm just as able today as I was when I was 40. Are y'all here or not? Amen. You're well able. Huh? It's not by your might. It's not by your power. But it's by the Spirit, says the Lord. In closing this morning, vision sees things as they could be. Most people have sight but they have no vision. There's a quote, don't even know where it came from. But it's very true. 
It's just eyes that look. Eyes that look are common, but eyes that see are rare. Physical sight sees things in the natural. Vision sees things as they could be. And that takes faith. Proverbs 23, 7 says, A man thinketh in his heart, so is he. I've said this many times to you. We must never, ever let what our eyes see determine what we believe in our heart. Never let the externals of what you're seeing or feeling determine what you believe in your heart. Let's finish this morning in Genesis chapter 1. We've got about five minutes. How many of you give me five minutes? Amen. Five, 10, 15, 20. That's 25 minutes right there. Praise the Lord. Not, just kidding. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through 28 said, God said, Let us make man in our image and after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over all the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping things and over all the things that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image and in the image of God created he him, male and female, he created them. Verse 28, and God blessed them and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and the fowl of the air, and over everything that moveth upon the earth. And then I'll go into, into verse 2, then I'll explain it. Genesis 2, 7 says, Then the Lord formed man of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils, and the breath of life, and he became a living soul. Then God gave him the, the mandate, Adam, the mandate, in verse 15 of Genesis chapter 2. It says, The Lord God took the man, and put him in the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. Now, he said he, gave, he put man in the garden and he gave him the responsibility to what? The King James says here, to dress it and to keep it. Now, that word keep it is not like we would use it in our English vernacular. It's not like, uh, uh, we're going out of town, would you keep my dog Vido for three days? The, the word keep here, if you look it up in the Hebrew is the word guard and protect. God made the Garden of Eden, and He says, now you guard this place, and you protect this place, you keep it. And so we know from the Scripture that when Satan came and he deceived them, which is his plan and his plot and always has been, and I don't have time to get into all the particulars of that, other than to say, the Scripture says that Adam was not deceived. Adam didn't fall into sin. Adam walked right into it. Amen. Eve was deceived because Adam wasn't doing his job. He was, to, he was to dress and to keep it. We need to keep. We need to guard. We need to protect. Why? Because in Genesis 1 and, 20, and 26, he said, let us make man in our image. That word image is uh, the, the first word there is image. Then you'll see it again. It says image in our likeness. The word image means moral character or spiritual character. It says God made man in our image. He gave him the same moral character and the spiritual character. But the word likeness is different when you look it up. The word likeness is similitude. The word, the word likeness there. 
is, is means to, to represent. It means, to, it means to function like. God made us in His image to function, to look like God. Not, not, not to wear the same clothes and part our hair the same way. I mean, I don't know what God looks like. I don't know what color hair He has. I don't know if it's red, yellow, purple. I don't know what it is. Long, short, bald, I don't know what it is. Don't really care. Interesting to think about, I guess, but, you know, one of God's blonde. You were sitting told all them blonde jokes. <laughs> like, well, here, here's the deal. He made us in his image. So he made us to function like him. And we're not walking in our dominion. It means we're not functioning like him. Therefore, if we're not functioning like him, then we are malfunctioning. So he made us in his image and his likeness. And our last point of this is that he gave him dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, the cattle, all the things that creeps. And thank God over all the creeps on the earth. There's plenty of creeps on the earth. Praise the Lord. And they'll be going to the voting booth in November. No, 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 take that out. But he says, I like, I like this verse 28. And he blessed them. You see the love of God, the, the goodness of God. He blessed them, but he told them to be fruitful and to multiply and to replenish the earth. He told them to subdue it and have dominion. He told them to have dominion. Amplified says he told them to have complete authority over this planet. Don't sleep over your vision. Don't sleep over what's, what's happening in this nation. Don't sleep. Don't be good people who do nothing while even men prevail while we're sleeping. Rise up. Arise and shine for your light has come. It's a time for the glorious hour. You know, it's a lot easier to keep ground than to have to take it back. The church lost a lot out of this the last time. Many churches have never gotten back what they had. Someone has taken it away. People had to be asleep for that to happen. You said, well, we don't need church because we are the church. That's only one side issue. You are the church. He says, when you see the days approaching and you're at the end, he says, make sure you meet the assembly coming together more, not less. Hmm? Because see, you understand Corinthians, Paul likened us to a body, which means you have many members of the body. And just like your physical body, your heart's important, right? I don't think you can make it without your heart. But what if they took your arteries out? Wouldn't matter if you had a good heart or not, would it? What if you didn't have a kidney? You're through. True. So it's the members of the body that make up the body as one. So we, the, the church needs one another. It's called the unity of the faith. Till we all come to the fullness of the knowledge of the Son of God, the statue of Christ. So here, so here we are with one another, and, and one can put a thousand in flight, and two can put ten thousand in flight. You're, you're, you're not created 
in your vision and in your plan to do it by yourself. God has assigned help to you. God has assigned finances to you. He really has. God has given you an income, maybe even outside of your income, for the ministry that He's given you. Don't be concerned about the finances. Because where the vision is, there's always provision. You, you, you may not know where it's going to come from or how it's going to show up. You don't, you don't have to know. Abraham was looking for a city. He didn't know where it was at. God just said, get out of here. So he just moved. And God began to steer him. God began to move. Sometimes all we need to do is just move in a direction. Dog and hunt. Don't know he has fleas. Why? Because he's in the hunt. He's not stopping at all the externals to determine what he can do. He stays in the hunt because he has a vision, he has a plan, and he has a purpose. And to that vision, to that purpose, with the greater one in us, you will prevail in Jesus' name. So I speak blessings upon you. In the name of Jesus, Father, I bless them. I bless their home. I bless their families. I bless their children, their marriages. I bless their finances. I thank you, Lord, that you are preparing us as a church. And, as, and I don't mean just simply this church, but your church. I thank you, Lord, that you're prevailing in this nation. I thank you that the plan that you have for this nation and for the people of this nation shall come within the heart of your people, Father God. And we say to the enemy, no way, no way, no way, no way. Command you to back up in Jesus' name. We say that we cancel your assignment in the name of Jesus against this nation, against this administration, against the, the plans and the purposes of God. And Father, I just thank you right now in Jesus' name, individually and corporately, that you're doing a mighty work in each and every life here. In each and every life here. I speak protection. I speak health and provision. We thank you, Lord, that this year, no matter what we go through, will be the greatest year we've ever had in the church. The greatest year that we have ever experienced in the church. And we'll springboard if we're here into the next year. We'll come out of this year. In the name of Jesus, and it shall be so. Amen. God bless you. You're blessed. Shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb.